This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, lessons from a Bitcoin bubble surfer. We learn early in my craft of journalism that everyone's life is worth a novel. Scratch the surface and extraordinary things are happening to seemingly ordinary people all around us. This story that follows is one of them. Peter McCormack is a heavily tattooed 30-something single father of two from a nondescript town in England called Bedford who supports Liverpool FC and dreams of one day having enough money to buy his local football club. Five years ago, his terminally ill mother needed treatment that could only be paid for with Bitcoin. Peter wanted to help, sparking a ride that saw him surf the cryptocurrency wave as it swelled ever higher and then crashed. He tells a lovely story, so good that his Twitter account has almost 50,000 followers and his regular blog on Bitcoin generates over $10,000 a month in advertising. But that's chump change compared with what he was once worth on paper anyway. But we'll get him to tell the story, as he does here with Bloomberg's Joe Weisenthal and Tracy Alloway, who started by asking Peter how he got into Bitcoin in the first place. So really a couple of times. Uh, I first found it in 2013. Um, I was uh, worked in tech, so I heard about it on, I can't remember the website, checked it out. Looked kind of interesting. Uh, rode that bubble for a kind of about a week or two. Uh, I was trading CFDs on plus five hundred, and um, you know made and lost a, a, a small amount of money in comparison to the last year, and then kind of forgot about it. And then in December sixteen, um, it's quite a sad story. Sorry, but uh, my mother was uh, dying from cancer, mm. and we wanted to get a certain treatment for her that was only available uh, for purchase with Bitcoin. So I said to my dad. I can do this. So I went on to Google, did a search, found Coinbase, um, bought a Bitcoin, bought the treatment. Um, sadly, she passed away. Um, but my parents lived in this, like in the middle of nowhere in Ireland. So I was out there for a week and I just kind of went back on Coinbase, uh, transferred the leftover Bitcoin back. And there was this Ethereum thing. So I was uh, in between, I was out of work. I used to have an advertising agency Um that uh, fabulously collapsed at one point and but i had money left over from that so i thought you know what i'm gonna check this out so i checked out ethereum and bitcoin and a whole journey started then i put twenty three thousand pound in i think that's about thirty two thousand dollars which i don't by the way i don't think is a small amount of money but um and just went on this epic ride for what's two years now uh well i'm sorry to hear um about those misfortunes so you said um $32,000 roughly. How much did you end up making at the very top? Well, it's funny It's funny you say that. So I guess I didn't end up making any because I didn't cash in, but the portfolio value at, at its peak was over $1.2 million. You know, So if I was looking in my hmm. block folio, that was the, the value. And that was about January 17. One of the things that I find really interesting about Bubbles is it feels good to make a lot of money and see your net worth on a screen continue to go up. But what I'm always curious about is like, did it stress you out also on the way up? Like, did you get upset with yourself for not buying more in the beginning? 
no i wasn't really stressed out i mean a couple of times i thought you know i should have put some more in you know i had more money available at the time but i didn't really worry about that because you know when you're at 1.2 million you kind of it doesn't really matter does it you're just like oh. um and it wasn't stressful at all it, it was just a lot of fun and opened a lot of doors for me um i've met a whole bunch of people i've launched this podcast and it's created a whole life for me so no it wasn't stressful it was a lot of fun um i was very careless with money <laughs> you know i bought a very expensive watch i bought a new car i uh, <laughs> gave a lot of I gave, I gave a lot of money away i mean at christmas last year i gave my brother and sister each like uh like five thousand a pound each um i bought my dad a brightling i paid for the the hospital where my mum worked before she passed um, they needed six thousand pounds for a garden, so I paid for that. So I kind of paid for all this stuff, just being frivolous. But I was paying for it out of my savings, not out of my crypto. So that was kind of stupid. Um, but no, look, it was just it was. It's been so much fun. It's been a hell of a ride. And no, there was no real stress on the way up. And and strangely enough, it hasn't been stressful on the way down either. What was the bull case uh, for you when it came to Bitcoin, you know, a, a little over a year ago, like what was it that you thought was happening here and what made you want to stay in Bitcoin and I guess some other crypto coins versus going into more traditional investments? It was just innovation, right? There was this whole wave of innovation around cryptocurrencies and crypto networks. And it just felt like the start of something new, a bit like, you know, I, I was part of the dot-com era when it first started. I worked at a dot-com and uh, I spent 20 years in uh, digital advertising. So I experienced that and it kind of had similar feelings. Not exactly the same, but, you know, I, I don't ever believe uh, crypto networks would ever be as big as the Internet itself. But it did feel like a new way of, uh, you know, transacting, sending money, uh, building things. So at the time, I kind of bought into all of it. You know, my opinion over time has changed, but I did buy into all of it because I just thought this was something new, something cool. But I didn't invest the money at the time thinking I was going to make a lot of money, right? You know, when I first invested, I just I just thought, yeah, there's an opportunity to make something here. But in no way did I think um, what was going to happen happened. I think my prediction at the start of uh, 2017 was that wouldn't it be great if by the end of the year, Bitcoin hit $2,000 and ended up hitting $20,000. So... You know, it was just, it was a very strange ride, um, but nothing played out exactly as I thought it would. Well, you know, for people who sort of maybe don't remember the history, it's um, as Bitcoin sort of peaked in December and was still pretty high in January of 2018, we saw an even crazier explosion in a lot of uh, altcoins, other cryptocurrencies, many of them of uh, extremely dubious quality, half-baked projects. Think, things that were sort of like mediocre to anyone who looked at them, but that's something you see in bubbles in which the real trash really surges at the end. I think you said in your tweet storm that on the way up, you started buying other non-Bitcoin uh, assets more and more. Tell us about the decision to do that. Well, at first, there was no strategy around it. I was just learning about things, reading about things, and just wanted to try it out. So I bought... Dash because that seemed like a different kind of Bitcoin. It seemed kind of interesting. I bought Ethereum because it was like this world computer that sounded interesting. I bought Monero because it was a private coin. I bought Ripple coin because it was a banking coin. I just kind of bought everything, just went for it. And then over time, I started to consider maybe more kind of fundamental analysis. So I started looking at things 
to see if they kind of had value or they had a purpose and then kind of refine my strategy. But still up until the end of 2017, I believed in, you know, most of these networks and most of these uh, coins as being an opportunity. I had an expectation lots would fail, but I, it was kind of like the dot-com era, you know, Webvan sounded great at the time. Boo.com sounded great at the time. They just weren't ready or just weren't built in the right way. And I just thought, you know, spread my investments and the things that will be successful I'll make money from and the things that fail I won't. But with a diverse portfolio, you know, I should be okay. It's only since, like, I think a bear market is very good for get you to get you to be a bit more rational and look at things in a bit more detail. Now I've kind of, like, my opinion's changed a lot. So... With that background in mind, when you saw all these coins plus Bitcoin sort of going up together, did you at at any point kind of think this is weird or this is too easy? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I definitely thought this was too easy, but you know, I just rode it. I just you just went with it. It was it was continual the whole year. There were three or four crashes. I remember once I was flying out to LA and I'd gone into the uh, airport lounge and I'd always wanted to have a Breitling watch, right? Something I could never normally afford. And I just bought it and I got on the plane. And when I got off the plane, the market had dropped 30%. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, that was a lesson. And exactly the same happened when I bought the car. I bought a Mercedes, right? And when I was in the garage picking up the keys, the market dropped again. But each 30% drop, the market always rebounded. So when it dropped again uh, January of this year, I expected it to come back. You mean January 2018, right? Yeah. I want to so hear you... more of what you bought. Just yeah, give you, us yeah, lists I, yeah. of things that you bought. Uh, just like everything. Um, you know, I took my kids on loads of amazing holidays to America, to Florida. Uh, as I said, I gave a lot of money to my family. I bought my dad a watch. I bought a car. Um, I I flew first class for the first time, something I've never done. Um, I, it's no, nothing I could ever normally afford. And I was uh, flying back from LA and I had a date booked um, with a girl in London. And I was on a, a flight, which meant I would be landing in the afternoon. I knew I'd be tired. I thought, Do you know what? <laughs> I'm a millionaire. I'm just going to get myself a, a first class flight, which I did as well. Uh, like not in a um, not in an idiotic, idiotic way. It's just the way I always think about money is is, you know, use it and enjoy it. Um, you might not have it tomorrow. So <laughs> funny enough, it's turned out. And I'm I'm glad I did. You know, I got to experience a bunch of things and do a bunch of things I could never normally do. Same for my kids. My kids got to experience and do a lot of things they couldn't normally do. And yeah, it's been, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. I used to take 25% out. Um, so every time my portfolio kind of was, it, as I, at the end of the month, I used to take 25% of the profit out. But as I got towards the end of the year, I was thinking, gosh, if this carries on for another six months, I'd always had this uh, goal in life. I wanted to buy my local football club. I know it sounds stupid, but uh, I live in a very small town called Bedford, right? It's just a nothing town. Our football club is in the lowest of the low divisions. They're not in the football league. About 100 people go and watch them each week. So I had this kind of price in my head. If I could make five million, I could buy the club. And like I was working through it with one of my friends and we figured out you know, that would be enough money to buy the club and get them in the football league. So I was like, right, if I can hit that by uh, middle of 2018, I'll cash out the majority of it, go and buy the football club. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid on reflection. When did it all start going wrong? So it's funny, I, I don't see as it going wrong. I, I see it as losing portfolio, but I actually, on reflection, I think 2018 has been a great year for for the crypto category personally myself of you know it's a real lesson i've never had it in life like we have securities laws which stop 
people investing who aren't accredited investors. But if you don't invest, you won't learn. So 2018 has been a huge lesson in money for me, you know, conserving capital and protecting capital. Um, you know, so from about January, I started, it started to happen, but I thought it would be another a bounce. You know, I thought it would drop and bounce back. I would say from about March, I was thinking, okay, <laughs> this isn't coming back. And my biggest mistake is I invested uh, around $400,000 into mining because, you know, wow. I wanted to have another way of growing my capital. So I bought all these different ASICs. And that's where I've lost the majority of my money because the equipment isn't worth hardly anything now. And I was locked into um, power contracts which were costing more than the Bitcoin I was mining. So across the year, you know, it's, it's just been something that's happened over the whole year. But again, I don't reflect on it in any kind of negativity. I'm not bothered by it. I'm actually, I'm still very positive about Bitcoin and the future. And I'm, I'm glad it's all happened in a kind of weird way. I mean, obviously, I wish I'd have cashed out, but I haven't. And, you know, we always make the best decisions we think are at the time. And every time I've considered cashing out and I haven't, that, I believe was the right decision. So I don't have any regrets. When you think about, say, going back in March and realizing that something was different, that this bounce was not going to be like one of the uh, plunges or that this drop was not going to be like one of the plunges in 2017, was it harder to sell or do you think it was uh, it was harder to make wise uh, trading decisions because you had hit a high watermark of 1.2 million and you felt like, that is sort of like where you should get back to. I think one of the difficulties with selling is there was so much good news and so many good think, things happening in 2018. Right. There was, especially for Bitcoin, there was, you know, real Wall Street adoption in terms of, um, you know, futures uh, and other derivative products. You know, there was the news of potential ETFs. Uh, there was so much good news happening that I was, I kept every time it kind of hit another low price, I was thinking, well, it's not going to go lower than that. I think that was my problem. It wasn't that I was looking to get back higher. I just never thought it would go lower. And each time it went lower, I was like, okay, maybe that's the base. But, you know, I'm not a trader. Um, I've got no experience with this. I think pretty pretty experienced traders would have, have recognized this pattern, right? And then, you know what? In a year, two years, if the same happens, I'll probably be better prepared than I was this time. So talk about where you are today. You started, I think you said, with $32,000, wrote up to $1.2 million, uh, you spent $400,000 on mining equipment, crypto mining equipment uh, that's now worthless, as you put it. You got into all these long-term contracts. You paid taxes. Are you just back to square one? No, I'm not. Um, you know, some people wrote to me thinking I was completely wrecked and broke. So I'm not broke. I have a, I, I wouldn't tell you the amounts now, but I have a small, very small amount of Bitcoin, which I've got left over. So what I, I ended up doing, I just sold all my altcoins cashed out a certain amount just to give me a bit of breathing room because I'm a single father with two children. Uh, so I have to you know, be responsible. So I cashed out a certain amount to give myself a, a few months breathing room and retained a small amount of uh, Bitcoin. And I've got some um, Monero as well. But the mining operation is still there. I'm still paying those bills, which is frustrating. But at the same time, I, I guess one of the other reasons I'm not too worried is my podcast has been really successful. Uh, I think last month I went over 100,000 downloads for the first month. Uh, it's profitable. You know, I'm selling uh, adverts each month. Um, I think revenues for this month is around $10,000. So, you know, I've got a sustainable business that's come out of the back of this. So I think that's probably one of the other reasons I'm not too worried. It's not been hugely upsetting. 
I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always run businesses. Um, I've always kind of thrown mud at the wall and see what sticks. So no, I was perfectly, perfectly comfortable doing it. Um, I mean, I fundamentally believe in Bitcoin, especially, you know, over a long enough time frame. I, I, I fundamentally believe in it and I have a, a curiosity with other parts of crypto, although I would say I'm heading down the maximalist. Uh, route at the moment but no I was never worried um, and I'm, I'm not worried now I'm still invested and I'm still you know essentially in some ways I'm still doubling down on Bitcoin because you know I don't do anything else this is still my full-time job and it looks like I may have survived a bear market so I should come out the other end of this uh, okay. Do you think any sort of traditional or historic financial investments are ever going to be able to match the excitement that has come with cryptocurrencies over the past few years? I mean, maybe, who knows, right? I mean, you can't, you can't predict this, but one thing I would say is I think the reason uh, the bubble was so accelerated and was, you know, it was such a quick, fast, crazy bubble is that cryptocurrencies essentially broken down the walls of, uh, sorry, they've broken some of the rules down. So it's so easy to trade, you know, trading shares and stocks is quite difficult, right? You know, there's certain rules you have to follow, certain companies you have to go through. Trading gold is equally, is to me, appears hard. I've never done it. I mean, if you want to buy gold and silver physically, you've got to order it and have it delivered. So technology seems to make trading easier and easier over time. And crypto just seems to be the easiest thing to trade. You know, you're buying digital assets from any internet connected device from anywhere in the world. So it just became very easy for everyone to just get on board and get involved. There was very little regulatory framework around it. I only see technology becoming more advanced, so perhaps there will be something in the future which is similar. Who knows? Um, but it's very hard to predict that, right? Yeah, if, <laughs> I wish we could predict it. Uh, I think we all wish we could. You have your podcast. You have 45,000 people who follow you on Twitter talking about Bitcoin. You have, uh, you've made your identity around it. Do you think that publicly putting oneself forward associating themselves with an investment or a movement or a trade makes it harder to change your mind. Like if you sort of decided one day or you came across evidence in your mind that, okay, Bitcoin is not going to be as big as you think it is, or for whatever reason you thought the price had further to go down, when you have that much of your identity and public identity wrapped up in the success of this thing, does that make it harder to sort of make a rational investment decision to get out when the going is good? Uh, not for me. I, did, I think it does for a lot of people. I think if you look across crypto, there are a lot of people who've probably got doubts who are not ad admitting it, like people who've uh, raised money in an ICO on a project. They're probably thinking, do you know what? Maybe this isn't a goer anymore. It's kind of strange because most people don't want to admit they're wrong, but because they're worried about the impact on their credibility. But usually if you're kind of honest and transparent and open and admit mistakes, people respect you for it. The tweet storm I did, you've seen it, right? Yeah. I mean, I expected a response, not the response I did. You know, it was like 8,000 likes and 3,000 retweets. Amongst that, I think there must have been like one or two negative comments where people were like, oh, you're an idiot. You, know, you don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Of the hundreds and hundreds of other comments, everyone was like positive. Everyone was grateful. People said, thank you for doing that. It needed saying, you know, it's good that you did that. I've had, you know, yourself get in touch. I've had The Guardian get in touch, uh, uh, various other news networks. You know, I think what people actually appreciate is honesty. It just doesn't happen enough because it's, it just feels wrong, right? It's really hard to admit you're wrong. But usually when you do it, it's like the weight off your shoulders. So 
I'd say you're right. Most people are are scared scared to do it, but I'm not. You know, if if I'm wrong about Bitcoin, so be it. I I don't think I am wrong about Bitcoin because I'm not really talking about price anymore. I'm talking about the technology, the technology and what's being trying to achieve with Bitcoin. I fundamentally believe in. Even if it fails, I won't change my opinion that it was it was a right thing to support. I just won't get behind price prices anymore because price predictions are so hard. You know, that's where you can really come come unstuck. There have to be a lot of people in your shoes who wrote it all the way up and wrote it all the way down. I mean, there's the whole crypto Twitter community, and I don't think most of them would have come forward and talk about the money that they gained on paper and then lost afterwards. So I really do think you've uh, done people a favor, and I appreciate you coming on. So let me just tell you one story. So um, I sure. had, I reckon I had over 300 DMs on Twitter from people saying thank you, telling me about their experience. And it was the same story over and over again, just different amounts. You know, it might be somebody invested a hundred who made, who got up to like 30,000 and lost it all. But there was one person who invested, I think it was 6,000 very, very early, wrote it up to eight figures. So somewhere over 10 million and lost the lot. Man. So I think it's happened to way more people than uh, than other people realize. And, you know, I think therefore it is something that he's talking about. That was Peter McCormack, Bitcoin surfer and proprietor of WhatBitcoinDid.com and a popular podcast that's drawing a cult following in the cryptocurrency world. This has been The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. Until the next time, cheerio.